Good morning. Today's call to worship is found in the book of Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. If you would all like to turn there in your pew Bibles, the page is 555. Verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with a joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sounds, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the Lord, um, uh, the works of your hands. O oh Lord, how great are your works. Wait, yeah. Your thoughts are very deep. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Okay. I know it's a, a few weeks after Christmas. But I want to know, did you get something that you really wanted? Yes? Good? Good. Did you get something that you really needed? Okay. Did they happen to be the same thing? Oh, now that's the ultimate gift. If it's something you really wanted and it's something you really needed. How about with you, Susanna? Were they the different gifts? Okay, so one was something you really needed and one was something you really wanted. Yes, I got several gifts that could fall into either category. Um, an example of one that I needed is I got new basketball shoes. And I need new basketball shoes because the ones I have now are starting to wear out. So that's something that I need. I also got a gift card to a place that's very special to me. Anybody have a guess? Oh, did I hear it? What was it? That would, be, that would work? I don't know if you can see it right there. Can you see that? 7-Eleven. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that's something that I really need, but it's definitely something that I want because of a certain carbonated beverage that starts with doctor and ends with pepper. Yes. What a wonderful country we live in when you can take in 
your reusable 44-ounce plastic container and a beverage that would ordinarily cost you, say, a buck 50 or a buck 60. You can get for 99 cents if you bring your cup back in. This is fantastic. Where else can you add at least 200, 300 empty calories for so inexpensively? <laughs> so these are, what, these are some uh, examples of things that I got that I really wanted and I really needed. So there's kind of a challenge, maybe a little pressure if you're getting a gift for somebody, right? Is it going to be something they really want or they really need? And sometimes you'll be happy if it's either one. But you go and you look and you think, ah, I don't know if they even need this. Okay, there's a challenge when you're getting a gift for somebody. But the better you know that person, the more confidence you have that what you're giving them is something that they either really want or something they really need. Okay. Oh, hey, speaking of presents, look. Can you guys see that? See that over there? It's a shiny thing. Should I, shall I leave it over there for the rest of the talk? Should I? Should I see? Oh, I could, op I could open it. Or maybe I could see who it's for. Should I start that way? Okay, okay. Let's do that. Let's see who this is for. Wow, it's shiny. All right, let's have a look. Oh, it's for me. Oh, hold on. It's also for Ginger, and Barbara, and Matt, and Julio, and Alex, and Paula, and Philip, and Virginia, and Sephora, and Brandon, and Hannah, and Richard, and Janice, and Cam. You know what? It's for all of us. Okay. So shall... That's, that's nice, isn't it? Isn't it nice to know you have a gift here today? Okay. Well, oops. Should I, should I pick it up? <laughs> Should I t put it back over on the uh, stand, or are you, do you want to see what it is? Okay, let's see what it is. Ah. Okay. Hmm. Who can see that? Sabbath. You guys can see that? Huh. Sabbath. Oh, okay, looks like it comes with some instructions. Do you guys usually follow instructions or you just dive right in and wing it with stuff? I, I do that. Well, here are some instructions. Okay, it says, congratulations. You are the recipient of a new Sabbath. Hmm. Some assembly involved. Follow these manufacturer's instructions for optimum results. Okay. One, remember. Two, keep it holy. Three, don't work. Hmm. Is that, is that all there is? Isn't there something about how deep you can wade into water? Is there something about if you can check college football scores on your phone as long as you don't turn on the TV? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that on here. So, I don't, oh, oh, okay, hold on. I didn't see it. It was folded. So, four, delight in it. Five, honor it. Six, do good. And seven, rest. Hmm. That's still not a whole lot of instructions, really. Hmm. Well, okay. Here we go. I'll put this up here. There we go. 
Well, let's have a look at the instructions that it does come with for the time being. Remember, we'll start there. Now, why do you think God, if he's writing something out with his own finger, would say, remember? He knows who we are, and he knows that we might do something other than remember, which is? Okay, very good. Let's turn to Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Maybe you've heard this before. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath reminds us that God set one day apart and he made it special. The Sabbath also reminds us of three things that I think are um, important for us to try to remember. One is, God is our creator. The second is, God is our provider. And the third one is, God is our deliverer. Let's take a look at each one of those quickly. God is our creator. I hope that's obvious to you. Creation is amazing. It's beautiful, and it's breathtaking. From the solar system to the systems we have in our body, from a sunset sky to a baby's laugh, God's creativity is awesome to behold. God is our provider. Exodus 16, which happens before what we just read, incidentally, is a Sabbath story about how God provides in ways that people can't even imagine. But we'll read a little bit more about that in a moment. God is our deliverer. Now turn over a couple of books in the Bible to Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. It ought to have some words that sound similar to what you just heard, but there's an interesting difference. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, and it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest, as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So interesting, that's a little different. Right here, the Sabbath is connected with God delivering Israel out of the bondage they were experiencing in Egypt. And this foreshadows how God, through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, liberates us from the bondage of sin. God 
created us, he provides for us, and he delivers us. These are tidings of comfort and joy worth remembering. All right, what's next up on our list of manufacturer's instructions? Keep it holy. Okay, notice it doesn't say make it holy. Who makes a day, a person, or a thing holy? Very good. Can a day, person, or thing be holy apart from God? No. The Sabbath is holy because God is holy and he made the Sabbath day holy. In the simplest, most practical terms, we keep the Sabbath holy by keeping God at the center of it, at the heart of it. Ezekiel 20, 12 says, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. So we don't make the Sabbath holy, but the Sabbath can actually help make us holy. So I find that idea both comforting and joyful. What's our next instruction? Don't work. God designed us to work. Work has its place in our lives, but work also comes with uh, some occupational hazards. Work can make us forget. If we work hard enough and long enough, we can convince ourselves that we're self-made men and self-made women. That's why I love the language of the call to worship we heard this morning, where it says, Know that I am the Lord. God is the Lord. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. I love that. We need to remember that. Sometimes we forget it. Also, work can lull us into thinking that the task of providing falls solely on our own shoulders. I was having a conversation with Brett a while back, and we were talking about this uncertain job market. And he told me this great story that I remember, and it was a conversation he was having with a friend of his, and the friend was talking to God, and he was really uh, lifting his concerns to God, saying he really he wanted, felt the burden to provide for his family. And this friend told Brett that he had this really clear impression that God was saying, oh, so you're the one doing the providing. And Brett told me his friend got it loud and clear, God is our provider. God understands we need to work but he knows that we also need to stop working regularly to reconnect with something more powerful than a paycheck. Next instructions. Well, there are two of them we're going to look at. Delight in it and honor it. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 says, If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. I think that's a great promise. When we find delight in the Sabbath, it's, it becomes something we really want in addition to being something we really need. That's like having basketball shoes and a 7-Eleven gift card all together. I like what the SDA Bible commentary has to say about delighting in and honoring God on the Sabbath. So, it's a little long, but stay with me. Quote, 
The Sabbath was never intended to be an end in itself, but rather a means by which man might become acquainted with the character and purpose of his creator. The essence of sin is selfishness, doing what one pleases irrespective of God or man. The Sabbath day presents man with an opportunity to subdue selfishness and cultivate the habit of doing things that are pleasing to God and that contribute to the well-being of others. Rightly understood and observed, the Sabbath is the key to man's happiness both here and in the hereafter. Mm. The Sabbath is one of the greatest blessings bestowed upon men by a loving Creator. Those who think of the Sabbath as a burden have not discovered its true meaning and value. It continues, honor. Here is the acid test of what is right and proper on the Sabbath. Does it honor God? Any activity entered into with the objective of learning more of the character, works, ways, and will of the Creator, or that is made a channel whereby His love may reach the hearts and lives of our fellow men, is indeed an honor to God. End quote. A delight instead of a burden? Definitely tidings of comfort and joy. Next instruction, do good. Okay, let's look at Mark 3, 1 to 6. Mark 3, 1 to 6. Mark 3, verses 1 through 6. Another time he, Jesus, went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if Jesus would heal the man on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everybody. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Mm. What was Jesus' question? Is it legal to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Is it legal, is it right to help live or to kill? The fact that he even asked that question shows just how distorted the understanding of Sabbath had become in the hearts and the minds of many of the religious elite. And that's a risk any time rules, restrictions, and requirements replace the healing, restoring power of Jesus at the heart of the Sabbath. Last instruction on our short little list, rest. Genesis 2, 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Question, does God get tired? No. I say yes, but more on that later. It doesn't seem like an all-powerful creator gets physically tired the way his creatures do. So, 
What's the significance of God resting? Well, for one thing, he provides an example for us to follow. We do get physically tired, and we do need rest. Do I need to explain that one to anyone? (laughs) Did any one of you start to really appreciate this benefit of the Sabbath after you got your first 40-hour-a-week job? Did it take on a little more meaning than it was maybe for you at 10 or 11? And you 10 or 11-year-olds, get ready. you got a blessing for the Sabbath coming in a few years. But the other understanding of the word resting is that he stopped doing what he was doing. In this case, creating the world. It may seem counterintuitive in our go-go-go culture, but there is great power in stopping. You see what I just did there? I stopped. (laughs) Stopping gives us the opportunity to appreciate things that aren't as easy to appreciate when we're going, 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 and doing, doing, doing. In Exodus 16, God gets tired. He's tired of hearing Israelites complaining about how hard they have it and how they wish they were back in Egypt when they could have all the food they wanted. So God does something amazing. He provides quail in the evening and manna in the morning. They didn't even know what manna was. The Israelites didn't provide this. God does. And through Moses, God instructs the people to pick up just what they need. If they pick up more than what they need, it wouldn't keep. It would spoil, except for one day. Let's pick up the story in Exodus 16, verse 21. Exodus 16, verse 21. 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. Interesting. And when the sun grew hot, it melted. The manna melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. And on that day, what they kept over, the second portion, didn't spoil. It didn't get the maggots. It didn't stink. It kept so that they had something provided for them on the Sabbath, and they didn't have to go out collecting it. God provided just what they needed, including a time for them to rest, stop, and realize that God was providing just what they needed. So what exactly is the Sabbath? To some, it's an obsolete regulation. To others, it's an evergreen covenant that's going to extend into the new heaven and the new earth. To some, it's this long list of do's and don'ts. And to others, it's a treasured tradition. I want to submit to you today that the Sabbath is a special gift of time from God That is just what we need. I said earlier that the better you know someone, the more confidence you have when you're getting them a gift, if that gift is something they really need. Well, nobody knows you and me better than God. He knows how we're wired because he installed the wiring. The Sabbath is a gift of time 
time our most precious resource, especially these days when some of us never seem to have enough of it. I'm not interested in generating, debating, or legislating today a list of acceptable Sabbath activities. That's for each of us to work out with God. I like to break bread with people. I like to go on road trips to beautiful places like Newport Beach and Ojai. Some of you like to go on hikes. Others like to visit friends. Excellent, excellent. I'm not interested in building our list and defending our list, but what I do want to suggest this morning are five opportunities that God's gift of time gives us. They all start with the letters R-E, okay? You might be able to think of five more, 50 more, but these five all start with R-E, and I believe that each one enhances the comfort and joy we can find in the Sabbath. The first one up, the Sabbath is time for resting. We talked about that a little earlier. We need physical rest, but we also need to rest from our busy routines. Stop, look, and listen isn't just a good idea when you're about to cross the street. It's also a really great lesson and advice for us when we get to the end of our week. Sabbath lets us step away from the noisiness of our lives and listen for God's still small voice. In Desire of Ages, Ellen White writes something I really like. The Sabbath calls our thoughts to nature and brings us into communion with the Creator. In the song of the bird, the sighing of the trees, and the music of the sea, we still may hear His voice who talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. As we behold His power in nature, we find comfort For the word that created all things is that which speaks life to the soul. I'm working on a uh, Sabbath app that shuts down all your personal electronic devices from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday. Some of you don't look real happy right now. Wouldn't that be cool, though? Wouldn't that be great? Not so great. Wouldn't that be great? I'll tell you this. When I shut down my laptop from time to time, I notice that its battery capacity goes up. How's that for a cyber testimony about the benefits of resting? Second up, the Sabbath is a time for remembering. We've talked about that. God knows that we can be forgetful. You guys have already said that, even with very important things. So the Sabbath is like a weekly post-it note that helps us remember what we were talking about earlier, that God is our creator, that God is our provider, and that God is our deliverer. It reminds us that God loves us infinitely and unconditionally. But there are a couple of other things worth remembering as well. If you want, I'm going to next read it from Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. If you want to turn there, Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. 
His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Listen to this. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus makes two important points here. The first is find out what really matters to God. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, Jesus said. He also said the same thing earlier in Matthew when people were criticizing him for who he was hanging out with and having uh, lunch with, namely tax collectors and sinners. And they didn't even go ask Jesus directly. They asked his disciples, hey, your guy doesn't, why is he hanging out with these people? And Jesus hears it and he says, hey, go find out what this phrase means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The second point is that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Not you and not me and not the Pharisees. He made it for our benefit. Mark 2.27 says, not, it doesn't say it, it does, but Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath doesn't need the Pharisees or me or you to be the Sabbath police. The Sabbath is time for, number third one out, restoring. Restoring. We already looked at the story of Jesus healing the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. Did you know that Luke, who, they, who we know as a physician, and he had an eye for just this kind of detail, he says it was his right hand. Now, there are at least seven stories that I could find of Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath. Why do you think I picked this one? <laughs> Jesus, just so you know, I'm not making this up, he also exercised demons from the man at the synagogue. He healed Peter's mother-in-law at Peter's house. He healed a, man, a woman who was crippled for 18 years in the synagogue. He healed a man with dropsy at the Pharisee's house. Sounds like a clumsiness problem, but it's not. Dropsy is something else. And let's see. He healed a paralytic at the Pool of Bethesda, and he healed a man born blind near the Pool of Siloam. All these healings he healed on the Sabbath. He healed lots of people, and he healed them in lots of different places, sometimes not on the Sabbath. These are examples of people he healed on the Sabbath. In all of Jesus' healings, he was restoring the physical well-being of people who were afflicted, but in healing people on the Sabbath, especially in the synagogue, Jesus was restoring much more than that. He was restoring spiritual well-being, one of the great benefits of the Sabbath, by restoring a better understanding of the Sabbath and in the process a better understanding of God's merciful, loving character. Did the way Jesus acted on the Sabbath bring comfort to the people he healed? Do you think that 
the man with the shriveled hand or the woman who had been crippled for 18 years or the demon-possessed man experienced joy on the Sabbath? By the way, if, uh, if Jesus were here today, I just like that story because it's a right-hand story. I don't know that I would ask. In fact, I do know if Jesus were here today, I would not ask him to heal my right hand because I like it the way it is. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything to restore it to. Now, if he wanted to restore my waistline the way it was when I was 18, <laughs> I would let him do that. I'm not satisfied with this. I'm okay with this. Jesus could have healed these people on any other day. And in fact, that's what some of the rabbis were telling him to do so that he didn't break the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't having it. Did you hear what he tells the guy with the shriveled hand? Stand up. Stand up. In church, stand up. He didn't say, hey, why don't you and I meet afterwards when the sun goes down? He said, stand up in front of everybody. Because there was more that needed to be restored that day at church than just a man's right hand. God wants to restore us physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially. And there's no better time for that than the Sabbath. Next one, fourth. The Sabbath is time for relationships. Look at our New Testament reading again. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. By the way, thank you to all the readers. Appreciate the job that you all did. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the context for this statement is a theological debate. If you back up a little bit in that chapter, you can see who's talking to Jesus. First the Sadducees, then the Pharisees peppered Jesus with questions to test him. Please. Please. I don't know what the expert in the law expected or hoped that Jesus would say, but I doubt he expected the answer that he got. Jesus' reply clearly shows that relationships matter more to God than regulations, that love trumps legalism, the Sabbath is a gift of time that enables us to build and grow our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Think about the best friendships that you have. Think, take a moment. Think about the, you don't have to tell somebody, you might hurt their feelings if they're not one of your best friendships, but think about the best relationships you have. What's something that they have in common? Not necessarily common interests, although that helps. I bet they have time in common. I have some close friends that I've known from high school, which you might find hard to believe was a long time ago. And we can go months without seeing each other. But whenever we see each other, that bond that we have just like kicks right back in. Do you guys have friendships like this? That happens because of the time that you've already invested establishing, starting, and enhancing that relationship. 
Now, the more time we spend, it continues to grow. If we never spent any more time, it wouldn't grow, but the time that we've already invested has been what has helped nourish and build those relationships. Relationships take time. How can any of us love God with all our heart and soul and mind if we give him the smallest slivers of our time? Or love others as ourselves if we devote more time and attention to ourselves than them? God wired us for relationships, and relationships are nourished with time, which is another reason the Sabbath, that gift of time, is just what we need. Last one. The Sabbath is time for rejoicing. It would be hard for us today to have a happier Sabbath than those people I mentioned that Jesus healed. Would you say that's true? But if the things we've talked about this morning aren't cause for rejoicing, I don't know what is. This is so much better than a gift card to 7-Eleven. Hold on, wait a second. Yes, it's better. <laughs> if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor it by not going your own way, then you will find your joy in the Lord, Isaiah 58, 13, 14. Do you know that the Sabbath has its own song in the Bible? Did you know that? Did you know you've already heard some lyrics from it this morning? Turn to Psalms 92. Psalms 92, and probably in many of your Bibles, right under it, right under the word Psalm 92, it might say something like a song for the Sabbath day. So let's read the first couple of verses. They were already read wonderfully, so thank you. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. I've started doing that. In the morning when I wake up, I try to thank God for his love. And in the evening, I try to acknowledge his faithfulness. To the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp, for you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound are your thoughts. Psalms 100, as we heard, says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Remember how the instructions, how I was reading these earlier, and they said, some assembly involved. Remember that? Here's where that comes in. Isaiah 56, 6 and 7 says, All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these will I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. That's assembly. That's God, that's people drawn together by God to be a holy priesthood, to build each other up, and to worship him who makes the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So let's do a little recap. Resting, remembering, restoring, relationships, rejoicing, some assembly involved. I had this thought a little while ago. I pictured myself talking with Jesus, and it was after, sometime after the second coming, and the conversation went something like this. He says, so Pete, before I created the new heaven and the new earth, 
Did you enjoy the gift I gave you, the Sabbath? And I said, uh, sure, especially once we didn't have to do the battle of getting our boys dressed and ready for church. (laughs) Jesus says, what did you do with the Sabbath? Well, I got to sleep in a little bit longer. Um, I went to church. I sang in the choir. I played bells. I talked about you with the kids and youth. Did you share it with anyone? And I say, sure. Shared it with my family and the kids and youth and some other friends at church. And Jesus says, did you share it with anyone else? If the Sabbath is indeed a gift of time from God, the question is, what will we do with it? Will we open it up? Will we find out all that it has in store for us? Or will we leave the lid on, put it over in the corner, unopened? Will we share it with someone else? Or will we keep it to ourselves? In 2014, what will we do with the gift of time God has given us? If you don't have all the answers today, that's okay. Another gift just like this is coming to you next week and the week after that and the week after that. I want to close with something that I heard at the close of a church service at PUC a couple years ago. They were having outdoor church that day and it was, I really was blessed by worshiping God outside on a beautiful Sabbath. But the thing that stayed with me was something that Chaplain Jason DeSena, I hope I'm getting his name right, said after he finished the closing prayer. It was a simple thing. All he was doing was dismissing the worshipers there that day. And here's what he said. He said, let's give God a good Sabbath. Wow. Let's give God a good Sabbath. Do you know in all the years that I have been considering the Sabbath a gift from God, I never thought about it as something that I could give back to him, but I do now. As we move through the new year, I encourage each one of you to take hold of God's gift of time, open it up, share its tidings of comfort and joy with others, and give God a good Sabbath. It's the least we can do for the one who has given us just what we need. Thank you, Pete. Does anyone here in this house something to do with what Pete just talked to us about? Anyone here? Great if you do. Raise your hand. Know what Conference Developing Ministries is? Can I have the lights lowered, please? Because clearly there are hands up that I'm not seeing. Excellent. We, I do see one waving. Richard, would you give a, a 10 word or less synopsis of that? Okay, thank you. And in addition to that, at least according to my iPhone internet, it has the opportunity of having some evangelistic uh, potential there. And that can be in this form of ministry for mothers of newborns. 
It can be the ministry to people and whatever need levels are there. Because what Richard just shared, developing new churches, developing new people. Now, my brother asked you a very important question just toward the end. So I get to check to see if you were listening. Heavenly Father, this day of sweet reflection, this day of love, we raise our affections from earth to things above, new graces ever gaining. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this gift of time that you've blessed us with. Help us to open that gift up this week and throughout this new year and help us to give you back a good Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.